Hey, everybody. This is The Fall Line with Chaos and Company. And Angela and I are here today. We're just going to chat a little bit. And it's not one of those where people love what's bugging Angelo, but it's it's more we just want to get some info out. And uh, we thought we'd have a good chat together and uh, talk about some standards, talk about some stuff with our uh, new assessments, as people call them, which were formerly known as our exams, just to kind of demystify and uh hopefully help some folks start to get ready for their assessments, especially in the level two zone. We'd probably focus there a little bit today. If we did all three, Angelo, it'd take forever, but um, we can just keep going on some new ones to go through maybe level three, go through level one a little bit. But I thought we'd just kind of start at the beginning um, and chat about some things. And uh, so Angelo, what do you, what do you um, been drinking over there? Is that water or coffee? That is tea. Tea. Yep. Yeah. There. I went with water this morning. No Pete bourbon. Allison told me I, I asked Pete because he's a Brit, what's the best tea? Yeah. And he and he said Tetley. So Tetley? It's, a te it's a Tetley tea. So does he go with uh, honey? I think he does it straight up. And oh. and if I'm not mistaken, he orders his Tetley from the UK. I don't believe okay. it's our our uh diminished quality american tetley i think he's on the full <laughs> well, octane we'll have to get we'll have to get um bobby in that conversation mr shasta because he's a big tea man he doesn't do coffee and, but he's like a lipton guy lipton only so we'll, we'll, a few months ago well maybe five weeks ago i was at mammoth mountain for western examiner training and i was staying with uh we were in a, a condo with linnea anderson who's their education guru and her husband terry who's an examiner and Pete and I, we were all sharing a unit when we came in after skiing and Pete said, can I, can I fix anybody a cup of tea? And I'm like, well, anytime a Brit is like, can I make you yeah. some tea? You answer yes. So he, he had this kit that he brought with him and he, he mixed it up and he brought it over and I was on my computer. We were getting ready for day two of the training. And next thing I know, I hear this, Bloop, 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 and I look over and he's dumping like all this bourbon in it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's why you like tea so much. <laughs> oh, I got to hang out with Pete Allison. We can have some bourbon in the tea. But it's kind of cool to bring up his him in a story with him because, um, you know, a lot of this where I want to go into this morning as you and I have talked is is just a lot of it's the connection with Penn State and putting us on the map, I think, a little bit, my opinion, of, of the cert certificate program through Penn State. And um, it leads into our learning connection and how the partnership is that a lot of folks, I believe, and you can jump in here, Angelo, after I kind of make this statement, because I know you probably have some good thoughts on this, that a lot of folks think we have like, we came out, the organization came out with new standards and we came out with the unified assessment form for the new assessment um, and everybody's going new, new, new. And yeah, they're updated and, and, and really very, um, uh, how, how would I say it? They're definitely more transparent. There's a lot more in there to, to, to show exactly what you need to do. There's criteria of what we're looking at. We look specifically to the criteria versus my own biases of, I want them to be able to do this. It's really to the criteria that's listed. And, but when you go through all that, in my view, it's not all new. It's updated. It's really updated on our learning connection model and it's updated in terms of we those that worked on this really came up with the criteria that we needed to be looking at for good skiing and good teaching and good skiing and good teaching weren't changed. I think it was kind of neat. 
as you look back at the interskis mm-hmm. and our team went to the the past few interskis i think the last see, at least probably four now if we look back in terms of when they started thinking about the skiing fundamentals then went into the teaching fundamentals and then the people came, skills came out of that that um it, it really they went to a format of what is good teaching and then the people skills came out of that. And then before that was, you know, what is good skiing in the U.S.? What do we view as good skiing? It wasn't what's new. It was how do we define these things? And, and I hope that people will start maybe taking that view that it's not new. It's it's the organization absolutely defining what our good skiing, what our view is of that to the world, what our good teaching view is and what our people skills view is. Am I off base, buddy? No, I agree. It's it, it's. It looks new. It's, I tell you what it is. You said, I think you said transparent. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And I'm going to apologize because I'm still post COVID. So every time, yeah. every once in a while, I kind of <clears throat> choke on my own, yeah. <laughs> on whatever breath. But, uh, it, it's, uh, I think you use the word transparent. I would say it's, I would say it's extraordinarily complete. Yeah. And and I would say um it's definitely restructured. I think that's probably what looks new is that it's it's definitely structured differently than it used to be. So yeah, yeah. people people would have to get used to a new format. But yeah. the content is is or should be familiar to anybody yeah. who who's a student of of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's always been a discussion of you know, is there cert training and, and is there regular training at the home resorts? And, and, you know, I've always been at times I will put up cert training, but it's more to get those folks that are really in tune and want to ski together as a group, get the um, study groups going. But the training's training. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing a cert training separate um, because it's different to get certified than to do good teaching, mm-hmm. then the certification process doesn't mean much. And And I've really tried to get away from that cert training it's like all the training we do at the home resort and when i'm out there even training with psia if if i'm training good teaching good skiing movements and and how to present that with communicating with people well that is what we should be training um and and that's i hope that starts to 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 hit home that like the fundamentals that's the, the number one thing that has hit home with me that started a while ago and we definitely hear it from all the team members, but I think I remember it first from really hearing it from Matt Boyd was train to the fundamentals. Don't get so deep into all the little nits and gritty and pieces and parts right away. If you train to the fundamentals of good skiing, good teaching and good people skills, all the other stuff on the assessment form. And, and when you go to the assessment, you'll be able to perform well. I think another way to phrase that, but but in my mind, it's really the same thing is you train to the job. Yeah. And I, you remember back in the day, I remember this, I'm sure you do. Uh, Like maybe in the nineties, the mentality was, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon to hear somebody say something like, I'm going to take a year off so I can train for my exam. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And that was, absolutely. I think we accepted it as pretty normal at the time, but um, like it doesn't take you very long to realize that that's kind of backwards because it it really, you know, like you said, to your point, the, the, the process of getting ready for a search should be the same as doing the job. And I think the, I think what the team has done, what the organization has done over the last couple of years is made, 
really made that point well because it's like the, the guiding question to develop all these materials has been what makes a great instructor yeah. so it's really about doing the job you know so to matt's point training to the fundamentals <clears throat> I, t I agree with that i just think another way to think about it you know it's really saying the same thing is to train to the job do the job yeah. so there really yeah. is no difference between training in the sense of I, i'm going to get better at the job and i'm going to get ready to go try to get this new credential you know yeah. it's really the same thing so hey let's dig in let's let i think if we start with just to make sure because i think everybody knows what we're chatting about but just to make sure the the fundamentals i mean we have in our in our learning connection model we have our tech triangle we've got our teaching skill triangle and we've got our people skills and you know people skills is, is kind of where the team really feels like they set themselves apart from the rest of the world which i think is pretty cool and and we've been chatting about them for a long time we've been working on them and and those we have four fundamentals there the you know the ability to develop relationships based on trust mm -hmm. and, and i think that's a big one and then uh, engage in meaningful two-way communication um, and then identify, understand, and manage your emotions and actions. You know, that's the instructor. Can you manage your own emotions, understand how they're affecting other people, and then recognize and influence the behaviors, motivations, and emotions of others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how, how do we interpret and, and understand and how do we, when someone's kind of bored how do we get them back in the fold or if someone doesn't understand something gets frustrated how do we deal with that that emotion when it does so it doesn't disrupt the rest of the group but also helps that person um and i know you're big on these angelo because it's you as an educator know man if you can't make the bond you can't make a connection with your students um it's pretty hard to get them motivated to learn so i i do feel that this is really a cool triangle that this is important if you don't do this the other stuff you can be phenomenal at in terms of you can know all the tech all the pieces you can ski unbelievable mm -hmm. and, and you can talk about it but is it going to get through to somebody i think you know people need to look at these how they present information how they present themselves um and how that affects information delivery well, that, that that's been missing from education for a long time yeah, yeah. excuse and, me and, um you know, like coming up through the school system in the like the public school system in the 70s and like early, early to mid 70s and 80s is when I was in public school. Like, um, yeah, it discipline could be harsh. I mean, I, rem I remember when kids used to get paddled, you know, yeah. if you were bad, you got taken out into the hallway and hit with a wooden stick, man. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> that wouldn't that probably wouldn't fly these days no. um no but i mean yeah you can be a you can be you can have the hottest feet on the hill it doesn't necessarily matter if you're trying to teach somebody something that they care about they don't really care how good you are and you can have the you can have all the teaching pedagogy too like you can quote all the all the greats yeah. right you know and i and i and we 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 rely on bloom and a lot and and um piaget and all those guys i mean there were there were certainly other people doing work those, those guys were i don't know how what what the backstory is on how they became so attached to what we do because there were probably thousands of other scientists doing similar work it could have been 
any of them, you know what I mean? But yeah. you, you can be very good at quoting all of that stuff and still be abrasive as hell. So like yeah. the people skills has been missing from education for a long time. It was really cool to get the inner ski last time and see that as the theme. The guest experience is everything. It's like globally, we've come to the realization that you you, you have to be cool first, you know, or at least maybe not first, but concurrently. Yeah. Um, in order to to work with the people in front of you, yeah, yeah. something we should have known for a long time. It just took us yep. a while. Like, and when I say us, I mean like, I guess as a planet, it's taken us <laughs> yeah. a long, and we're still not very good at it. If you turn on the news, we're pretty horrible to each other on a yeah. daily basis. But at least, oh god, yeah, there's still a lot of people getting paddled in different ways out there. Oh my god, just not good ways. It's a mess. Oh. So, um, so yeah, it, it's it's cool to see it. it surfacing you know that the idea yeah. that people skills matter you know and then we move into the teaching skills which is you know we have our fundamentals and collaborate on long term and 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 you know short-term objectives um kind of one that's pretty hard to know where you're going to go if you don't set a goal and you don't have a goal for the student yeah. they don't have a goal they don't agree um that collaborate i think is pretty important it's like yeah yeah you want to work on that now nah, we're going to go over here and do this this is what you need and that that mm -hmm. doesn't work too good um you know manage information activities terrain selection and pacing mm -hmm. um you know that's that's a huge one i think yeah. that's the one we'll, we'll chat about as we really get into it today because i mean managing information and, and pacing it, it's interesting the amount of information that can be given and the pacing of standing still forever mm -hmm. um, we, we have that a lot when we go to our assessments mm -hmm. um and then i know this is yours and it's absolutely mine i think favorite in the old teach skills is is a promote play experimentation and exploration yeah. um love to do that i had a great session on Wednesday during pro jam that I missed you. You know, we were had our chaos and company thing planned and man, I went down a road of old style STEM turns. And then we did the modern STEM turn. I had Bill Beerman filled in for you and he did a great job. It was great to have Billy there, but everybody was missing you. We needed you there and keep Billy because Billy did a great job with us. Yeah. But, um, next it, year it was, yes. And, but it was, you know, that is something that, that I think people struggle with. They, they not sure how to play. They're not sure how to experiment. They know the objective, they have their activity. And then, you know, it, it becomes, how do you explore with that? It's always looking for the right answer sometimes versus looking for just mm -hmm. how you can move differently. And I, and I think that's kind of cool. You bring that from a lot of your, like even your skateboarding, it's like, you know, how can I get, I know some of the same tricks, you know, you, you might not do them the same as someone else on your skateboard, but you get the same thing done with which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Skateboarding is cool. It's, it's really outcomes based. I mean, you either land yeah. or you don't, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> um, but, but skateboarding allows for, and, and not even allows for it, like expects individual style that's built yeah. into the culture. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, just look at a trick that people, a lot of people know, like a kickflip, you know, yeah. as long as the board, flips over and you land on the wheels like that's essentially the goal but like yeah. there are a billion different looks but it's all good you know yeah it's it's an outcomes based endeavor and you got to have a cool pair of vans on when you're doing it well there's no question about that <laughs> and we missed being able to get i don't know if you've got a new pair but we missed doing that we went to big snow you know usually you know that's been like the thing you go and we help you shop for a new pair of vans and you and couldn't come to get noodle bowl from the korean restaurant yep. upstairs yep. yeah so that's we, yep yeah yeah, yeah. 
So we got to make that happen. Um, And then we move into facilitate the learner's ability to reflect upon experiences and sensations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a big one in our, in terms of now, I mean, we've always had that in terms of trying to have people understand what they're doing, but I think it's a big part of the learning connection model to have people reflect themselves and for them to verbalize, for them to start to make sure we know they understand the sensations they're having and, and, you know, be able to reflect on their own thing so they can replicate it later. I mean, we can tell them, oh, this is what you're supposed to feel or you should do this, but they need to be able to understand that too. Yeah. We've talked about making like the job of the teacher is to become obsolete, but you know, at, at least with that, particular thing you were teaching that day, you know, um, and that's what the reflection piece works toward. It starts to cement the learning in their brains. Like we already know the learning. That's why we're the coach. So they, they can articulate it. They can talk through it. They can ask questions. They can confirm or deny what they think they know at the end of that lesson. Cause I mean, let's face it. Like you can't have this conversation without talking about skill development and fits and Posner. And at the end of a lesson, Two, two hour lesson, full, full day lesson, as much as you practice in that amount of time, they're still very much in the cognitive realm yeah. of skill acquisition when it comes to that thing. So, you know, by, by no means have they practiced it to, to ownership. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that could happen, but like, it's probably pretty rare. So yeah. that, that piece at the end, that reflection is their opportunity to confirm with their coach that they understand so they can go practice, you know, and that's really what makes learning experiential. It's that, yeah. it's not like, I think there's some, I think sometimes experiential gets thrown around kind of loosely and people, it's like, I think people sort of confuse either hands-on or, or authentic situations with experiential, but if, without that reflection piece, it's not experiential. That's so vital. No. Yeah. And it's also yeah, and we, and, thing, sadly, you know how things go, like especially holiday week, you run out of time and it's that <laughs> debrief at the end that suffers, but that's really the important bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, we've heard, you know, Pete Allison's talked with us about that. And um, you know, make you know, that has to be a piece of it. They have to be involved in the process. And you know, Michael Michael Rogan, who we've talked to real recently, he he's multiple times talked about, you know, the best thing he can do is get out of the way of the learner. Like yeah. You know, he talks about how we can get in the way of their learning by trying to get in there too much. And and that's that balancing act. And it's really neat to hear, you know, the high level folks of, you know, Pete Allison and, and, and Michael Rogan talk about that. Matt Boyd, I think when he was on with us a couple seasons ago or last season, talked about that too, that, you know, experiential learning has to have that reflection in that piece, as you say. Um, and, and then we move to adapt to the changing needs of the learner um as as their needs learn their skill development grows their understanding grows you know sometimes we do things that confuse them it's like okay we we've got to address this first but you know their needs definitely change as as we skew them hopefully skew them more than once if people could please invite all their students to come back again mm-hmm. um would be great but right. um you know that that there and then and then you know the last one i think is people don't hit it enough but this one's pretty important um you know they they think of the, the managing emotional and physical risk and i think you know physical risk is there you know we have to focus on what are the challenges we give them i mean even on you know our magic carpet snow belts there's a physical risk there of are they ready for their first turns can they ride it are they going to be able to stop sure. what's the snow like today um but the emotional risk too of 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 understanding 
you know, what they're nervous about or, or are they afraid just to fail? Are they in a group lesson? And a lot of people don't like to, to be, have people see them fail. You know, what age group are we talking about? You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, certain age groups definitely don't like to see other people, have people watch them, um, yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, there's that. Do you see this at home too? Like there's this phenomenon you see in the locker room when, and when we just saw it, cause we just finished some hiring clinics and, you know, people, who try out for the staff really they don't they don't know what they don't know like how how could you you know so a lot of people come into that training or that or that early season tryout or however it's structured at your hill but they come in there pretty confident you know and then you've seen it happen right there's that moment where they realize like oh like there is a whole lot of stuff to know here you know what I mean? Like that yeah. moment where you realize there are people around you who've been doing it for 20 or 30 years and can talk about it and understand it. And, um, and then that, that's a dangerous moment. That's an important moment for, for somebody in that situation. I think because it, I say a lot of folks hit that moment and then they never then from that point forward, get out of that habit of, of looking externally for, learning to to happen you know and they become a lot of folks become very um passive or docile in their own development and uh, i got to get the answer from my trainer i got to get the answer from this examiner but that's that's i mean you can do it that way but it's probably a lot more efficient to really embrace it and and trial and error and check in with your coach and you know be an active participant in the learning but i that's another piece of that emotional risk you watch people hit yeah. that that moment they realize how like there's an actual world here of of content <laughs> and it's global you know and it's yep. old uh there's there's a lot to it and they go oh my god like that that's an emotional moment for yeah. i remember that yeah. moment. yeah yeah they, they they think when they first come in i've you know i've been skiing for 20 years and i ski pretty good and then i'm going to teach ski and then they go through the first training sessions and like wow i didn't know there was all this to it mm-hmm. um and, and then you, know, you hear some of them say i thought i could ski really good now mm-hmm. i'm kind of questioning can i ski good yeah. you know when they start looking at what what fundamentals are involved in there and how to do certain things and we do some activities that may challenge them they're like wow i wondered why i couldn't do that i just didn't do that before um, i wonder if that's almost a deeper emotional fear than than i mean like people show up for a lesson and maybe they maybe they've never skied before or maybe they ski once a, one day a year or a weekend a year or something yeah. like that they're going to have the fear the normal fears of falling yeah. down like do I remember how to get on the chairlift? Like those, those are all fears for sure. I don't know that they hit you in the in the soul the way <laughs> right. that that instructor yeah. moment hits you because you start to question your value. Like yep. you know, I mean, we've all seen people quit yep. when they fail an exam, right? Like they just yep. that's it, they're done. Yep. That strikes at the core of their belief system about their self. That's a very, yeah. very real thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Oh. So, so those are our two of our triangles. We got our people skills, our teaching skills. And then we move into the one that I, I think everyone takes a deep dive because it's pretty hard. You got to have some content. 
you know, and, and Dave Wen talks about it, you know, it's like, it's like people get buried in the content sometimes and they never get to the teaching skills, people skills, because they don't have a hold, a deep understanding of the technical skills. Mm-hmm. So they're always focused on, you know, what am I going to do next? What do the people do moving? You know, how are they moving? You know, what do I work on? So they get wrapped in that and forget the other pieces. But yeah, the technical skills are important. Um, you know, how do we, not just the skiing fundamentals, but how do we convey and apply accurate technical information for the sport being taught um you know how do you convey that um what are the words that you use um when do you use them how much do you use you know as we think of the other things of you know pacing information but you know how can we convey the information in a way that works for people and then also we've got to do what i think is the absolute basis for being a great ski teacher is you've got to be able to do movement analysis, movement assessment. You've got to be able to observe, evaluate, and prescribe through movement analysis. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that without being able to watch how people are moving mm-hmm. and then be able to understand how they're moving and understand how you want them to move to be able to reach their goal, mm-hmm. all the rest is fluff, which you can have a great time, mm-hmm. but are we actually making an effective change um, in the positive way? And so I, I really feel that is like the underlying thing that we all need to work on i continue to work on it mm-hmm. um and and then it's like how do i put that into practice well i i think there's a real challenge there these days too um you know there's a there's a heavy heavy corporate influence in the ski industry right now which is different from you know when i when i got involved in ski teaching it was all mom and pops areas there there wasn't this uh overarching corporate uh influence that we have now and like when i go to those trainings and and i sit in on on sessions i really don't hear much about performance change in students i i hear customer service that's yeah. that's, that's what's being pushed so yeah i you know for an old for old timers like us who have a we we care about performance and we we were it's important to us it's probably why we got involved was was really the performance piece i mean that, yeah. that's why i got yeah. involved um that's not the information new instructors are receiving uh, they're probably getting it from their trainers but i don't know that they're getting it from their from their uh the cut the trainings they're getting from the company so we we have to figure out a way as, as like you know I, I i look at us as protecting that piece of the culture right now i think yeah. in terms of performance i really feel like these are pretty dark times in in the states and in, in, as far as ski teaching goes they're they're beautiful times for customer service and and that sort of thing but we're losing the tech bit yeah. and i think it's our job as people who remember back a couple of decades to really protect that piece and if they're not gonna if new people aren't gonna hear that from the trainings they receive at their home resort then they need to hear it from their trainers because i'm sure the pendulum will swing at some point that just seems to be how things work but right now it's swinging toward making everybody feel happy and welcome which is great they should feel happy and welcome but we also have to make them into good skiers and snowboarders too 
Yeah, and, and and it's uh, I think sometimes people think when you and I say performance, they think we mean just carving, and I know you don't, because man, we're we're looking at like, how do they get down the hill? How do they control speed? How do they shape a turn? How do they use the ability not just to put railroad tracks down, but how do they control speed through turn shape? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they doing to blend the fundamentals that we're going to now the five fundamentals to be able to ski differently? How do you ski on a low edge angle? How do you ski in a high edge angle? Um, you know, right now we've got some wet conditions out there at most of the resorts Ooh. they're getting a little brown unfortunately mm. but you know in that wet heavy snow you really can't just push the ski sideways and a lot of our our general public struggle with this kind of snow and want to quit because it's heavy it's wet it, it piles up mm. you know how do they let the ski move forward through that stuff but not have to just be slicing how do they control speed so it's right. a, it's a variation of that um, it's it's very important right like you said to to, to navigate different um different conditions for sure but then if you're a one-trick pony or a no-trick pony (laughs) some people are no-trick ponies i guess um how are you going to express yourself on your on your gear if you don't have access to the to a full range of of skill applications you know what i mean like that that's a piece too like and i feel like that's that's sort of missing and i'm I'm looking at our posters behind us of wayne wong Wayne Wayne exemplified expression. Wayne exemplifies. He still does. He exemplifies expression. And that's why people come out. I think. I think. I mean, I'm assuming that's why I came out. I wanted to be able to to navigate terrain and express myself where where and how I wanted to. But if all you have is carving, that's pretty unlikely. You know, so if to reach autonomy as a skier, self-expression. Yeah, yeah, you have to have a full gamut of, of skill. Yeah, and and our Alpine fundamentals, we've got five of them, and um, they're not listed in particular order. We'll put that out there because Mr. Shostak wants to make sure everybody knows that, that everyone likes to put the one at the top. And they, people think because it's the first one listed that it, uh, it's the most important, but Bob will tell you, and he's got a very good dissertation that is very important. You should listen to it because it, it is good. I'm just teasing him, but he is 100% right. You know, and the first one is control the relationship of the center of mass to the base of support to direct pressure along the length of the skis you know and people we, we try to look that i know i try to look at that and have fo- people focus on you know where you're balancing the four app plane um how you and how you balance in that four app plane how you use the joints in that four app plane does direct ski a direct pressure along the skis um but it's definitely a lot of folks go well, that's balanced it's like well yes it is and as you balance in that plane you still direct pressure in on the ski mm-hmm. um and then the second one's control pressure from ski to ski and direct pressure towards the outside ski super important um you'll hear this i mean we hear it a lot from mr lipton i mean eric's like how do you ski good if you don't direct pressure to the outside ski and michael rogan will come right behind and go this is a foot-to-foot sport mm-hmm. we ski from one it's still an outside ski dominant sport sport um and so yeah that's definitely one of our fundamentals um control edge angles through a combination of inclination and angulation um you know how do we use those during the phases and and for different outcomes um control the skis rotation with leg rotation separate from the upper body how do we use the legs to to be able to let the skis turn or rotate or pivot um and then the last ones are regulate the magnitude pressure created through ski snow interaction how do we regulate that how do we manage 
what we're feeling back from the snow. And, and that to me, that one, that vertical plane is, you know, when people don't, aren't able to keep their skis in the snow when they want to, um, or they can take them off the snow when they want to. We know mm-hmm. some of our great skiers can bring the skis off the snow for tactical purpose, which is awesome and use that energy. Mm-hmm. But how do you manage that? And that to me is, I think Terry Barber talked really cool about that of the touch and feel on snow and being playful with your equipment against the snow. Yeah. I love how, ter- I love how Terry does that when he's skiing and also mm-hmm. how he chats about it. But yeah, those are our big five. Those are the five with, with, with slight variations for other disciplines. Yeah. But that's, that's basically it. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, most every, most, that is what we look at when we see good skiing, we look at and can usually can see, we should be able to see those things, whether it's park pipe, trees ungroomed groomed um that is those are the things in the alpine world that we definitely look to in psa um and I, and, I, they, those, and I, just look at the alpine fundamentals for a minute also just because that's what you brought up but those you could yeah. you could write those same fundamentals for trail running it'd be the same yep. you know yep. they're really fundamentals for how bipeds move on that particular gear that i I, I always like bringing it back to that because yep. it, it's it's objective. It's not yep. something that was written willy nilly. All of those things apply to you when you when you have your running shoes on and you're taking a run through the woods or you're yep. you're walking up or down a spiral staircase. I mean that it just it it all applies because it's how we move. You know. Now yep. I I agree the the statements are bulky but when you write technical statements they're pretty often bulky like that because you you're looking for accuracy so you asked a question earlier about how we convey that stuff and i think it just you you need to be a good translator you know you have to take that language take those concepts i don't care if i never hear them articulated again but i want to hear coaching cues and things to try and feedback based on what they mean not necessarily what they say Yes, I'm with you. And then that's where I wanted to move into because I want people to understand some of our language. Um, where we, we, I started early chatting about, you know, the connection with Penn State and, and, um, Pete Allison has really led us in a great way to, to define, to, to have things in an order. And people say, well, it's more academics. Like, well, yeah, because it definitely is more transparent and, and is able to be understood. Mm-hmm. And I think if I paraphrase, you know, when I've had chats with Pete and we've had him on the podcast that, you know, you need to know if you're going to an assessment, you need to know what's expected and the outcomes need to be defined. The criteria needs to be defined on what you're scored on to be able to achieve those things. And I think that's what he's really helped us do. And, and the groups that have been involved in this, the task forces, I think have done a phenomenal job and continue to, to implement this across the country with all of our trainings this fall. Um, but I think to help not just those that are going to the assessments, but also the trainers out there that listen to our podcast. I hope they do to um, start to understand the language and what it means and how to transfer. Um, you know, just because we start getting into and Murmur's talked about this, we get into our little acronyms, you know, the LOs and the ACs and the AAs. <laughs> and I remember training and this was some emotional nervousness for me when we were first this was first being unloaded on on us as as ed staff a couple years ago i i heard that you got a lot of the crew had been in their task forces all summer and you know mr erickson and a few others were talking about los and aas and acs and i'm sitting there going 
did I go through a time warp? I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I really didn't. And then it was funny because, you know, I joke with Dave Schuling now and, and, you know, it came up with the UAF and I'm like, what the hell is that? So it's like UFO and it's, you know, unified assessment form, which is our scorecard, uh, you know, when we score our assessments, a unified yeah. assessment form. So, yeah. so yeah, Angela, I, I just wanted to, you know, we have, I think is a real important one because we started with the, we started with the fundamentals. I wanted to start there because that's the focus of like, that's our learning connection model, you know, and, and we got the blue ring, you know, we didn't go there, but I mean, in terms of our triangles and understanding the learning connection model, mm -hmm. those fundamentals are the basis for our learning connection model. And that's where we should really focus on like, how are we going to build training? Mm -hmm. But then as we get into understanding, okay, how do we assess this? What are people going to be assessed on? So they know it goes into, and this is part of training too, the learning outcomes, like what is a learning outcome? Mm -hmm. Are you asking? Yeah, of course I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you look at the you look at the structure of the entire curriculum, it it drills down from the most general to the most specific, right? So fundamentals are very general. National standards yep. are very general. They're they're broad statements. But when you dig through the performance guides, you you very quickly um, encounter some other language to, to understand what it means. And I will say, like, I, I'm looking at my other monitor right here at the the, the um, Alpine CERT standards, and there is a little glossary in here. It's like, it's full yeah. disclosure, the language of learning outcomes and assessment. It's on page five. So, like, the stuff is accessible, but it it sometimes even reading those descriptions doesn't help. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like... um so you can drill down through that a, a, a learning a, a learning outcome is in my mind i i think of that as that's an observable behavior i just i want to yeah. i want it, it has because we're examiners and look and look let's back up for a minute with the language too i've never seen a document come out that says we're not allowed to use the word examiner we're not allowed to yeah. use the word task anymore but you know there is a new uh, there's some new language because we yeah. we we modeled what we do our curriculum after an academic structure. So yeah, but yeah. like you can still use those other words. I I do um, because we're examiners. We can only score things we see. You know that's what examine means. You have to look at it and 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 experience it. You know probably with your eyeballs if you're if you're doing the job we do. And the learning outcomes are those observable behaviors. So like I, I you know, a learning outcome for a, an Alpine fundamental as an example is, is like, can you keep the skis parallel? Like I can yeah. see if the skis deviate from parallel. So that's an observable behavior, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> assessment activities, AKA tasks. That's all thing, things you do. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the word drill i don't i don't have the pro problem with the word task and i i have been using the word activity you know yeah. uh, assessment activity is is maybe implies that's an exam situation but not really either because i can use an assessment activity in a lesson at the home hill if somebody shows up and i'm trying to diagnose their their performance, I might use an assessment activity, like a, I don't know, like a pivot slip or something to see what they do, see how their skis behave when they, when they try that. So even though the word assessment is in it, I don't think it's relegated just to certification exams. It's, it's thing activities you can use to evaluate somebody's performance while you're making the decision of how to, how to build the lesson out. 
you know, yep. um, assessment criteria is also a term that you'll hear that's in it that I mean, that's kind of a common sense one. That's the level of skill required, right? Assessment criteria, like how, how good do you have to be at it? If you're at a level two exam or a level three exam, those are different standards. You know, it's, that's all that means. And then the very last one that you'll see, if you look in the performance guides and you look at those rubric shaped or those grid shaped, how things are chunked out into those um, columns and rows, uh, those performance contributors. These are just specific examples of things that would be successful performance or unsuccessful performance. They're not boxes to check, like you have to do each one in your teaching segment in your level two exam. These are examples of behaviors that would qualify as successful, contrasted to ones that would be unsuccessful. Yeah. You know, so the instructor, the examiner has some specific, some very, very specific behaviors to say, oh, well, you, I, I do this. So that's successful. Oh, but I also do this. I probably need to change that. You know, and that that's how those things are are built out. They are they are very, very thorough. And you had a great suggestion. It was, I, I think, I think we were chatting on the podcast or you and I were just talking and um, I, I can't remember which was, it doesn't matter. We're going to say it now. When I look at the performance guides, you know, cause I look at them in terms of as a examiner assessor and I start to look at them, I'm trying to see the differences cause I want to see the progression from level one to level two. So I start to understand the standard in terms of what has to happen at level two versus level one as they go, you know, from, um, the criteria gets stricter um, and, and higher level, but you had a great suggestion. Like if you're going for a level one assessment, that's your goal this year is to go to level one, just pull out the level one pieces mm -hmm. out of the performance guides. Yeah. So when you have three performance guides, you get your, your technical piece, whether if you're an Alpine, you have your Alpine, if you're in snowboard, you have a snowboard, but then we all have our teaching and people um, guys, mm -hmm. but you were like, just pull out all the level one. Yeah. If you're yeah, going for level I mean, two, just pull out the level two. And I think I, I suggest I took that suggestion a step farther to some folks uh, at an event a couple of weeks ago is go go in and pull all that stuff out, <clears throat> staple them together, keep it in your pocket with your golf pencils, and that's your note sheet. Like yeah. I that that to me is such an important piece of training and developing, even if you're not looking at an at, a, at an exam. Um <clears throat> having that stuff on quick, quick reference, but then adding your own, uh, your own words to it, your own examples, like, Oh, I did this. Oh, I was with skiing with Dave. He said this, I like that, you know, be very active in, in how you, how you go about it. But if, if like for me to sit back and memorize all that stuff without modifying it or, or, um, or, you know, manipulating it somehow. I, I don't, I couldn't do that. I don't even yeah. want to do that. But like, if I'm <laughs> training for a specific, uh, you know, level of cert, yeah, print that stuff out, keep it with you, write on it, have other people write on it. You know, that's a living document. And I think yeah. all, all said and done, excuse me, if you were to take out, like you said, level one, if you were to take out the people teaching and, and tech stuff for level one, you'd have, even if you only did it front sided, you'd probably have eight pieces of paper stapled together it's, and you'd have the whole back to take notes on. Like yeah. that's a beautiful little workbook that you can make for yourself. I think that's really a great thing to do. Yeah. And I hope 
trainers right now just listen to that. And I hope trainers across the East, across the country, will, will take the note of that and, and have their guide their staff to do that. Grab, gain, get the training leaders, get your trainers to help your staff do that, um, to, to help their training, you know, break it down to what they're looking at. So it isn't, because as you look through the whole thing, it's a lot of, and, and why look at level two and three, if you're looking at level one, if you're looking at level three, look at level three, you know, if that's where you're going. And, and it's kind of neat. I think people get confused too, like, cause we have our standards, you know, and there's the standards document. We have our Alpine, we have our snowboard, we have our telly and all our disciplines, cross country adaptive. Did I miss one? Probably. And then I'll get yelled at, but I didn't mean to miss one. If I did, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> snow bike. Well, um, the snow bike yet, but it's coming. Yeah, right. It's not, but, it's you not know, coming. I, it's not coming. For Clint, I don't know. Uh, riding snow bike fundamentalists. Lipton sorry. might push for it, man. They, they're loving it at big snow and people love, and people love them getting on them, man. So it's, it's, you know, it could come, it could come. I bet right. you Kevin Jordan will be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but People get, you know, when I look at the, because I go from the standards and people start looking at the assessment forms, the scorecards, the unified assessment forms for on hill. Mm -hmm. and, and so just for an example, like you take the skiing, if I go to the standards and I look at the assessment criteria for a level two, if I look at that assessment criteria, when I go to the unified assessment form, the scorecard that people can look at, they can download, they can see that PDF right from the national website. Mm -hmm. the, when they look at that, it's the same wording. I think sometimes they think they're different. Like you will see on the, in the national standards, I'll read it right now, integrate two or more of the technical, that's level, level one I'm on. Okay. Dave's not on the right page. Isn't that typical? But um, I go to the level two and, and it's um, integrate three or more technical fundamentals through all turn phases to achieve prescribed ski performance. That'll be like the exact wording on that score on the assessment form. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a second score that's manage each of the technical fundamentals as prescribed, which I think now that listed as individual on the Alpine one, the, it listed individual, how the individual fundamentals are um, used, uh, but manage each of the technical fundamentals. But I think it uses the word now individual on our scorecard, but same thing, manage turn shape, turn size and line as needed and beginner through easiest advance and uh, through the easiest advanced zones. Mm -hmm. You know, um, th that is those three things. Those just transfer to the ski park because this is right out of the standards for level two, the assessment criteria for a level two skiing. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of cool. You talk about the learning outcome. You know, the learning outcome in the standards adapts the technical fundamentals to demonstrate specific outcomes in beginner, intermediate, and some advanced terrain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then it seems like people like, because I was too going back and forth when all this first came out and going, where is this? You know, when I go to the ski performance for a level two and I read integrate fundamentals, integrate three or more technical fundamentals through all turn phase achieves prescribed ski performance. The individual fundamentals manage each of the technical fundamentals as is prescribed. Versatility, manage turn shape, turn size and line as needed and beginner through easiest advanced zones. Mm -hmm. It's just transcribed over. And it, well, and that's what we score, right? So yes, you, that's that stuff is scorable. Whereas yep. in the past, not even the too distant past, a few years ago, we were actually scoring tasks. Correct. So we're not. Yes. You know, the important bit I think to understand there is like where it says as prescribed, yep. because we, we can we can modify these tasks or assessment activities on the hill in the exam to see the level of skill 
acquisition, you know? So yeah. like, just a simple example, if, if I, if I assign the group or, you know, or we as, as, a, as a couple of examiners assign the group medium radius turns with speed yep. control, that would be a run. And we could look at that, see if the fundamentals were blended at the, the level, um, uh, the level required. Right. But then you can throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in there to see if that level of skill acquisition holds up. So we could say, okay, yeah. we're going to do medium radius turns again, but we're going to change one thing. Let's lower the edge angle and make these more skiddy than the last round. And yeah. then see if the fundamental blend is still as efficient as it was the first round. And if it, if it is, you've confirmed that that level of skill act that, that level of skill has been acquired. And if things fall apart, then you have you have to do some more digging, you know, but yeah. That's all that means. It's it, you know, when it says as prescribed, it means we're we're gonna we're gonna throw some activities at at the group to do and we're gonna change them up. And yeah. do you have the the skill level, the versatility? Have you practiced enough to be able to do them these couple of ways we throw at you? And if the answer is yes, you know, it's a good day. Yeah. And and it's it's cool because I well for me, I love that we've gone this route we were away from scoring tasks like this is the task and we were so rigid in because people want to know exactly what they had to do we had we, we pretty much did it almost at a certain speed with a certain edge angle with with certain radius um and we still have those defined those are our starting points which are awesome to have those starting points the way mr erickson has written those in our assessment guide here in the east and there's cool stuff on the application of the fundamentals mm -hmm. that those are the things we look at that relate specifically to how the fundamentals are applied for that task and that's really the only things i score is in terms of in my head like okay how did they do this but i don't score it on that one task i'm looking like how do they apply these fundamentals in this and it's exactly like you said all right they've got different students some students might be at that edge now, let's see if they can do it skiddier for some for some students that are in in kind of a lower range you know and need more of a flatter ski in that that zone of skiing or maybe it's just a super super firm day and going on a super high edge angle might go a little too fast <laughs> so it really shows the range of how you can teach the different students but yeah it's not one task it's i need to look at a range i need to look at that i need to look at also maybe short turns i need to look at how you apply that then in the bumps maybe how you apply it on green terrain and you how you apply it on blue terrain like are those similar in your fundamental application mm -hmm. yeah i mean and, the, the tasks are they're just lenses for for us to look through you know yeah. and and when i say us i mean all thirty-three thousand members it's not these yeah. are not things that only are used in exams by examiners. You can use these activities to practice yourself. You know, like you. Yeah. How e how easy is it to get in your habits and just and like do the same thing all the time? But you know, as 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 a as an athlete, as a skier or a snowboarder, are you challenging yourself to try different yeah. things? Like, <clears throat> are are you riding the same chair with the same people and the same you ski the same line and same medium radius turns all day long? Like. That's very easy to fall into that habit, but um, are you using these assessment activities to challenge yourself to practice? Oh, I haven't done short turns for a while. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do those today. Today is short turn yeah. day, you know. Or a lot of folks have probably never done an actual giant slalom turn. Like yeah. I'm gonna practice those this weekend because I saw them in these guides. But 
Uh, it, but as the other piece of our job as instructors is to work with students, you use those activities either um, descriptively or prescriptively. You know, and a, a descriptive use is if I, if you come and you buy a private lesson and I'm you're, you, I'm assigned to your lesson, <clears throat> what do you want to work on, Dave? You're like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I want to get better at edging. I'm like, well, try try this and let me let me see what happens. So I might throw a uh, throw a railroad track at you or something like that and see how you you manage the edging during that activity. And I see some glitches. I've just used railroad tracks descriptively. I've asked you to do them. I describe what I see and I plan the lesson. That's like a a front loaded way to use railroad tracks versus we go through the lesson and I'm like, oh, I think railroad tracks might benefit Dave. So I teach you that thing, how to do them. You practice them and then apply that new skill to your mountain skiing. Now I've just used the same activity prescriptively. Yep. You know, and we all use them that way. That's what they are. These are our, you know, folks who take martial arts know kata. You practice your kata, your forms, so you have the movements on lock when you need them when you fight. Like, that's why you do katas, is to own these movements and understand how they apply in a controlled environment so that if a couple of street toughs get in your face when you're out, you know, taking taking your significant other to dinner... And you protect yourself like there's there's practice and there's application. That's the yep. same thing with these activities in skiing. We have all these billions of different little activities and variations that we can play with. But really, the point of them is so when you're in a situation on the mountain, can you get down there safely? Can you get down there the way you want? Yep. You know, so they almost have that. They're like doing a kata. Go out and yeah. practice specific moves and drills and wire in the movements. I read Michaela one time said, I think she said it, who knows, but like she practices until she can't possibly do it wrong. Yep. Like we can do we can do that too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well we gotta get Ron Kip on here to chat chat about this because mm. Ron made a statement. I was working with him when, when the skills quest was just coming out and he was coming around the country and working with a lot of us on implementing the skills quest and working those drills. And, and it was, somebody had said something and, and um, he told a little story about, you know, an athlete that couldn't, it couldn't do a task. And it was like, was super frustrated. And he's like, he educated that athlete on, you've just found gold. If you find an activity, you find some drill that you can't do, you found gold. That's the yeah. one to work on. That's what's missing. Yeah. And, and I'd love that. We, we, we got to have Ron come on. We got to try to contact him and have him come on the podcast just to talk about that in motor learning. Cause mm-hmm. he, I mean, that he, 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 there's nobody better than him in that and in, in figuring out, you know, and explaining how in motor learning, you know, when you find stuff you can't do, those are the things you should practice. It's like, yeah. you know, because that's how you build your base, your versatility, your ability to move the body in different ways. And uh, mm-hmm. I know it'd be fun to listen to him chat about that. Cause yeah. I, I thought it was so cool i've I've never forgotten that they're like find something you can't do you found gold and that's what you need to work on and i love that how much you're using the word practice like you have to practice you know if you want to get better i don't sometimes we might assume people want to 
invest into developing their skills like that's probably not true of all instructors and people who are very happy with their skill level and they just like to yeah. teach and they want to do that and that so it's not not suggesting everybody needs to go out and do that but if somebody does have ambition of getting better and leveling up or winning club races or or whatever you have to practice to get better it's just the yeah. way it works yeah and, and I love it. I get to practice every day I get on the hill, man. Every day I'm working with a group, I get to practice. And, and that's and that's the part I I really want. And, and you and I've talked and we really want to try to help. We want to make some influence in helping people be more successful at our assessments. Mm -hmm. There's not an ed staff member in the country that doesn't want that. I mean, we all do. I mean, people, I think, sometimes get this, you know, we get this bad rap that we're so hard and, you know, we don't care if people fail and we try to fail people. It's like, man, Man, we try to do everything we can to help them. It, it's a great day when many, many people are, man, the, I've had a couple exams in the past that I've had eight out of eight in the skiing assessment, you know, then being called an exam pass. Mm -hmm. It was so cool because it's a standard. You know, we've talked about, we talked about this the other day when we were chatting with Michael Rogan, you, you talked about Angel. It's a standard. Nobody's competing against each other when we're in that level one, level two, level three assessments. Right. They're they're working to show they meet the standard mm -hmm. um, and are be able to sh display the behaviors and our learning connection model to to have good skiing, good teaching, and good people skills mm -hmm. and good skiing. Um, I don't know anybody who wants to deliver bad news. No. Like who? I don't. Nobody wants to do that. No. You know. And not, and not everybody's going to be successful, but, you know, back to the people skills, like that's an opportunity because we've all seen this too, where people aren't successful, but they understand why yeah. they probably feel bad, but they're not, not discouraged enough that they're not going to come back and try it again. And I mean, if you can't, if you can't pass that day, that's the next best option is to understand and go, oh, okay, well, yeah, yeah I wasn't, I wasn't prepared, but I can get there and I'll, I'll be back like that. You have to be able to you have to be pretty good at people skills to pull that off but that to your point that's yeah. that's what we all want for sure like yeah. oh, God. i don't feel like i'm here to protect skiing like like i'm not trying to defend it so other people can't get good at it like that but yeah, yeah just be great if if everybody got good at it. oh my, my my frustration comes from i want to see more people pass i want them to achieve it and and in the level one and level two zone, our level one certification, level two, that's what we're doing every day. When you're coaching, when you're teaching, when you're on the hill, you're working with folks in those zones. Yep. Now at level three, absolutely here in the East, especially, and I say that just from, from my experience, and most of us do say it, we don't have an incredible amount of upper lessons at every single resort. Mm -hmm. um, even my home resort, there's not a lot of bump lessons. There's not a lot of upper level stuff. There's some. So the, the ability to be doing that all day long to teach in that zone is definitely limited. But level one and level two, we teach in the beginner and intermediate zone all the time. I go to the home hill and where am I? I'm over in the learning center area. I'm on that intermediate beginner type terrain working with folks. And that's where my whole staff is. And you can work on all your stuff then it's, but it's digging in. Like you say, you know, think about a side slip, think about that J turn where you're just on the snow belt magic carpet and you're making the steps around that first turn. How are you making those steps? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you take it into a turn, you do a fan progression and you start doing almost a thousand steps all the way around, even if you're on the magic carpet, mm -hmm. are you stepping in the direction you want to? Are you using good fundamentals? How should that activity be used? And you gave them a great answer that 
Look at our assessment guide. They're not just assessment tools. They're as Bob Shostak called them way in the past when he still called them tasks. They were educational tasks, he used to call them. They're not just exam tasks. They, they are the activities we use to help us know if we're moving the right way in terms of when you don't, you can get people to step a certain way. You can get people to side slip and use the lower parts of the legs. You know, they don't have to just tip from throwing their body across. How do they get the ski actually to slip? I mean, it's hard for people when you, get new people on snow when they start to get into that start to move on the learning center and starting to go to some hopefully some easy blue terrain they need the ski to slip a little bit mm-hmm. and you know teaching them to do that stuff and are you practicing that with good fundamentals mm-hmm. um we've got great videos my god if you're working on a hockey stuff just watch the new nordica video with troy walsh and michael rogan and megan jones on and there's stuff on the matrix and i know that's being evolved we've talked about already but i just hope people realize that they can use their teaching time yeah that is all training for them Mm -hmm. all training yeah no i i fully agree about that and i fully agree about the the videos i love that they've videoed that at the ideal level because it's ripping like Mm -hmm. even the level one activities are ripping i remember on the group text when (laughs) when we found out the level one video was available i watched the straight run and i my i texted the group i said we don't have that much pitch or vertical at my mountain like that is a hell of a straight run but why why not show it at that level it's great to show it at that level because we see it on flat all the time you know um I think videos are great. And I also think there's no substitute for really studying and like active studying, reading a book with a pencil in your hand and writing in the margins and writing down questions and asking questions. Right. You were holding up Ellen's book, Skiing in the Art of Carving. And I've got this is what I'm reading now. Technical skills for alpine skiing by Ellen Post Foster. Like my pencils in it right there. That's the page I'm on this time around. My writing's all through it. And this is it, man. Like, this is gold. And anybody yeah. who doesn't know this book or know who Ellen Post Foster is, do do some research and figure it out. Because, like, I'm re- I read this book when I'm having my morning coffee and I'm flipping through pages and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm g- That's the task I'm going to do today. That's, that's what yeah. I'm going to practice. There are too many tasks in this book to practice in one season this is this is an absolute masterpiece of what we do and it's um published in 1995 it's so relevant it could have been published yesterday and it's it's a gem of a book and i think people should go buy it yeah i I was reading yesterday and i literally was we're not joking i was reading the step turn section and looking at step turns converging diverging and also skating in there she's got all kinds of stuff i mean it just awesome awesome stuff in addition to all of our manuals and like you said this one i think she put out in 1998 and she i mean she's written some of the most important books in what we do and and i don't hear i don't see them in the locker room i used to back in the day i don't hear people talk about them they really need to be resurrected by everybody who who cares about you know performance and and alpine skiing and if you ski with her she does them all better than you do anyway so she can coach you through them too so <laughs> that's like, right why that there it just just take advantage of it yeah it's it, it's just i mean i i know we're trying to stress it a lot and people are like what are they pushing we're, we're pushing for i want people to take some initiative my wife's like at some point 
people need to take responsibility for themselves. And yes, there is so many resources out there, but you have to take the time and it is time. It's, it's time to sit down and, and, and shut off the, the, uh, the phone and shut off the TV and, and, and look at some of the material, read some stuff on skiing. There's great stuff out there. Our manuals are great now. Um, also, like we said, the Mellon Post forces foster stuff. And <laughs> we were reading it yesterday, both of us. Um, but you need to dig in a little bit. You need to take the time, but you also have, you got so much time you're teaching on the hill that you can practice that stuff, use that stuff. Um, and then go talk to your trainers and that. And, and I hope that the trainers out there listening are encouraging their folks to do that. We want everyone to start digging in deeper into understanding activities and how you use them to get people to ski and work and, and then how to coach them. And this, it's, it's not intended to come across as blaming or accusatory. No. I just think some of these pieces of how we developed have been lost as the, yeah. as the internet has just become ubiquitous on the planet. We, we go to YouTube, we watch videos and that's fine, but it's not complete, you know? No. So there's a whole, there's a whole uh, realm of materials available to folks in these books. And like, I think anybody who's serious about getting, getting good at what we do needs to, needs to be an active user of those books. And that, like I said, like active means, first of all, owning them, um, opening, opening them up, purposefully picking things to practice, you know, purposeful practice is huge. And then my, mine's got writing all through it, it's dog-eared and beat up and that that's how i developed you know and i i yeah. think it works or i wouldn't encourage people to do it but man go on the go on the internet and type in ellen post foster and books and buy every one of them that you can because yep. why wouldn't you donate them they're to your gold school, you know yeah and, and i hope people listen because it is it's not for badger we, i'm trying to promote i want people to start getting some study groups together there's a there's some cool ones across the country i know some of the western gang has um i think aspen has one and a couple other places they have their study groups going on that they get on it's either once a week or twice a week and they do some ma stuff or talk about a topic um you know it, it, start doing that get four or five you I mean zoom is easy you know, get a group on Zoom, start chatting about some stuff. We do it with Ed Staff. Ed Staff, we have Ed Staff calls. I know Sue Kramer is working on ones to try to get us on with the whole Ed Staff soon. I do stuff with my development team. Um, just this chat. I mean, we do it at breakfast. I mean, how many times do we go to breakfast and lunch? And what are we talking about, Angelo? We're on the road and we're having breakfast, right? Let's talk about skiing, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, I hope people, you know, dive into a book. Don't just think about what comes out of your head. Dive in and chat about something in Ellen's book. Uh, Chris Fellow's book. Throw the challenge out there too. I, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and talk about Chris's book because I really like it too. But yeah. Um, I would challenge the Zoomers among us and we're all Zoomers now like that. <laughs> it, it just, it, right. It took the world by storm, but, uh, yeah. maybe we should. Maybe we should impose a soft rule that for every Zoom meeting you participate in, you have to cash it cash it in with three actual on hill sessions to practice yep. the stuff you talked about on the Zoom call. Like we yep. can't shift to Zoom. No, entire. You can over Zoom. We're over Zooming. Yep. You have to yeah. move the body and practice the things and look at the stuff real time. Like I agree, Zoom is terrific, but when you can when you can do slow-mo on a video and play it over and over and over again, like there's a value to that for sure, but yeah. that's not what's going to happen in your lessons you're teaching. And that's not no, what's going to happen in your, 
um, oh. in your assessment, at least not in the East. Like we don't, right. we don't do the video MA in the Eastern US. So right. it's going to be real time. You're going to watch skiers and riders coming at you or beside wherever your vantage point is, but you have to be able to do it for real too. So I, yeah. I love the, I love the zone, the zoom cohort opportunities. I think they should be on hill cohorts with a zoom mm -hmm. component rather than the other way around yeah it's got to be combined you can't do just one you know you got to have it as a good mixture and like you said you know you don't need to do eight hours of zoom you know do a half hour 45 minutes hour tops with the crew and then boom you should be on hill for a few hours you're on hill teaching and then you know get out there on hill for the weekend turn it into you know? a book club like do your yeah. zoom as a book club everybody has the same passage to read from ellen's book or or yeah. you mentioned uh chris fellows the tactics for all mountain skiing yeah. i love i think that's such an important book because we're we're such a body-centric group of folks we we yeah. uh we don't talk about um tactics as much as we could that's a terrific yeah. book to have yeah yeah I, I think that your book club idea is awesome man just Get a book, read a section of it, talk about it, and then go out and practice it on hill. Yeah. Um, and then talk about what you did on hill versus another chapter, you know, reflect. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to go back to our fundamentals. But um, I'm hoping this today, Angela, which, you know, we, we're going to keep trying. And I know we'll do some things where we'll get more in-depth specific to like some activities, um, some things on hill. And, you know, definitely some things I wanted to leave people with. And I know you have a couple of comments that before we finish is that, you know, some big things to think about as they prepare to just be good teachers you need to move like you said like you can't just zoom like we can't do a zoom meeting with our beginner students and then expect them then to go out on their own and be able to ski mm -hmm. so when we're out on the hill you can't stand there and just talk to them all day and then all of a sudden 10 minutes at the end of the lesson expect them to be able to do it they've got to move and experience skiing so you have to have movement as a big part of it and how you pace the lesson to move and i say that because one of the issues at our assessments that we see is that people don't move they'll have a whole run in 30 minutes to ski that trail from top to bottom and they will use maybe a couple hundred feet of a half mile trail mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know and so use the terrain you have warm-up runs you know there's definitely usually a warm-up run and even when if you're in the teaching one especially there's circle ski then you're going to be circle skiing or doing some kind of ma activity to get the group going to know what terrain you have available in the distance the pitches the how it undulates pay attention to that as you're doing your ma and use the whole terrain you got 30 minutes mm -hmm. um if i had a lesson and i only moved 200 feet and then the instructor finished the lesson there and skied off because they had to go to the next lineup and i still had three quarters of the trail to ski i might not be happy mm -hmm. but i mean you know it's, it's use that train and and pace your information mm -hmm. um another one i have is that i hear a lot from the staff and, and i see it when i'm doing assessments is that they give us so much and it was kind of cool talking to michael rogan when we were talking to him about it. he was he's like it's not about the amount of information it, it's that it's you know people can't remember an entire book you have to give them mm -hmm. little snippets they're going to remember because they can't know all the parts and pieces going down east fall mm -hmm. you know give them a cue give them an understanding of what they got to do and let them go yeah well my you know. <clears throat> michael's an absolute wizard when it comes to minimalism and coaching yeah. like he i and i've i've told this story on a couple different podcasts and whatnot but he he so i skied with him last year at academy and he figured me out in the first 30 minutes and and he just 
it just come up beside you and, and say, uh, hey, I, I saw this or hey, try this. We'll let you chew on it for a minute. Do you understand? Yeah, I do. And I'll just ski away. Like it, yeah. he lays a foundation with the group for what the, you know, what the overarching need is. You have to kickstart the lesson, you know, kickstart yeah. the coaching somehow. And I remember last year at Big Sky on Monday morning, we were just skiing outside, skied outside, ski, not laid out like a specific exam task. He said at some point during the turn, lift the inside ski up. And he took that, you know, he, he took that and turned it into using the length of the ski for the whole group but we all had individual quirks but all those quirks changed the pivot point so we're putting the pivot point you know up closer to the tip and he recognized that so let's let's hit this baseline activity of outside ski which got everybody centered and then whatever the next thing to fall apart was for each of us that's where he gave us our individual coaching but it it was it was so minimalistic. He he just he doesn't talk a lot because you don't need. I mean, he talks a lot. Don't get me wrong on the chair, <laughs> and it's hilarious and it's nonstop and it's Rogan. But when it comes to the coaching, he's he's just he's like a surgeon. Just boom, yeah. here it is. You get it, try it, and then yeah. I'll I'll check in with you in an hour because he also understands you have to have practice time. Yeah, you know. It's awesome. He's he's worked very hard and is very good at the craft. Mm -hmm. And um, so to be good at the craft here, I'm thinking of it as like writing because, you know, I'm thinking of Mark Aiken and and, uh, Katie Britton. And they're like, you know, you got a point to give. Talk about your points, then go into them and then make sure they know the points again. So, I mean, this this podcast, definitely you and I wanted to do this and you can you can add it in here, too. I mean, I want to. I'm just, I wanted the trainers also, not just people that are training for the assessment. I wanted them to have a better understanding of, you know, focus on the fundamentals, really start there. Think about the fundamentals and the three triangles and what they are and, and how you start to think about how you apply them, where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are mm-hmm. um, and build the training around that. The trainer should build the training around that. And then, you know, as, as we dig into that, use your teaching time, understand what you're doing out in the hill, especially for a level one, level two candidates. You've got tons of time, man. Every time you're teaching you can be working on stuff and then you can go talk to your trainers afterwards about things you had trouble with things you thought went well um and then it's and and i love where you add in like you said earlier like write stuff down and you showed your book and you've got stuff written in there people need to still do the write down stuff even if they type in a computer they need to write they need to read they need to talk about it we need to be in all modes of learning and i hope the training programs and the trainers and the trade lead trainers start getting that to happen more mm-hmm. and um let's use zoom but like you said let's not use it for eight hours of zoom a week and one hour on snow mm-hmm. let's be smart about how we're because like you said when you're on hill the ma part you're gonna do it live video is awesome i use it all the time i don't think there's probably anybody in the east that uses video for ma more than i do but then you got to let the thing play too man it's going to be in real time but yeah, for me those are some big things i hope people get out of the podcast today and and hopefully some trainers the trainees everyone has some fun and and understands this is us trying to help and trying to guide a little bit and and we want to be part of the solution right and i yeah i i love all that um you do use a lot of video ma but you're also you can also back it up on the hill that that comes from practice and experience so you know i I, again, I want to I want to emphasize the point. Like we, sometimes I feel like we we some people in our in our in our group and our organization 
sort of impose a performance increase on people who that may not necessarily be what they're here for. That probably is a pretty big turnoff. So I would say, you know, to trainers, figure out first of all what people's goals are, like what motivates them. Like I said, there there is absolutely nothing wrong. It, 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 not only is there nothing wrong with it, it's a beautiful thing to show up at the resort every weekend and your whole motivation is to like just ski with beginners and turn them on to like if that's if that's what your gig is i love that because that's what makes our business run you know what i mean but for folks who do intend to get better at performance and have goals of certification and, and maybe even beyond getting involved with the education staff something like that you have to go about it very proactively there's just no no doubt um and so what I would encourage people to do, and, and um, in addition to everything you just said, was, is um, know, know what you're selling. Know what, know what good skiing looks like. And I think that is a shortcoming a lot of times. Like, And, what, and this is probably a pretty good use of, of video. Find four, I'm just going to say skiing, but same with snowboarding. Find four skiers you like. And maybe in different disciplines and different genders. You know, for for example, find a find somebody you find a racer you really like to watch ski. You know, find a male and find a female racer you really like to watch ski, and find some clips of them on YouTube and save them and make those something you watch regularly. And then find some free skiers or all mountain skiers. Like I love to watch Marcus Gaston ski. And anybody on YouTube or on uh, Instagram who doesn't follow Madison Rose out of I, she's uh, I think she's out of Jackson Hole, redhead, young redheaded girl from former racer, all mountain skier. I love watching that girl ski. So have have some variety in gender and and um, you know with within this within your sport some disciplines all mountain racing terrain part whatever it is, and have some great skiing like that you can roll your mental tape so that when you are watching when when you are watching people in your lessons and you're doing ma on them you can compare them to those images you know and it doesn't matter if they don't want to be racers or big mountain skiers you're certainly not going to make them worse by getting them to ski more like those folks you yeah. know what i mean but yeah. if you don't and that's that happened in when i taught public school it took me a few years to understand the scope of my content area you know, you don't show up as a brand new bio, or at least I didn't. Maybe I'm not that astute, but I didn't show up on day one as a biology teacher and understand the depth and the breadth of the content that I was teaching in that setting, in that building. It takes a while to understand where your one class fits into these other classes and, and all that stuff. Um, and the same thing holds true with 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 skiing. You know, you have to understand the scope of what you're of what you're selling. So if you, you're very familiar with beginners and, and how they move, most of us, you also have to understand the, the other end of that and have some really, really ideal images to shoot for. The, the Nordica videos are great. Go out, you know, um, return of the turn, what, whatever. Just go yeah. watch great skiing for that purpose, to have, to have a reel to roll in your head when you're watching actual performance real time. Well, that doesn't look much like Marcus Caston, but if we make this change today, it'll get that image closer to that. That doesn't look much like like Madison Rose, but if I can make this change today, 
that'll get them closer to that. And then, and then you have something to shoot for. But we're pretty good at shooting arrows. Sometimes we just don't shoot them at a target. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot to, to leave today's podcast and hope everybody enjoyed it. And we want to thank our friends out there, the podcast. We want to thank Blizzard Technica for continuing to support us. And um, it's been great, that relationship. We also want to thank Nick's Boot Fitting. Um, Nick does a great job over there. And uh, you need some boots or you need some work done or just need some new footbeds, man. That is the place to go over by Mount Snow. And then also Rollerblade because that is your summertime fix. If we're not on the bikes, you got to be on the roller blades so thanks everybody for listening and um it's great that uh, we have at least five listeners now angelo oh, <laughs> but please but please if you like in numbers yeah so but if you um it really helps if you can like or subscribe to the spotify or to youtube wherever you watch and listen to us but um, it really helps us with the channels on each platform and uh, helps to keep these things going so hope to see a bunch of you out there on the hill and um in some events and some good skiing please everybody start doing the snow dances we need some cold we need some snow we need it all across the east coast and from talking with michael rogan they need it even out west in california it was 50 degrees when we were talking to him so we need some cold weather and snow and uh we need it to start the new year so all right. see you all out there happy new year happy new year